This week we're learning Chelek Tazvav, Parshas Miketz, Sicha Aleph. So in this week's Parsha we read about the story, how Pare had the dreams, the two dreams, and all his Khartoumim were trying to explain to him, and he wasn't um, liking any of the interpretations. And then the Saramashkim said, My sin, I remember Yosef, he's in the pit, and he interpreted my dream, and they brought Yosef before the king, and he so beautifully explained it, and um, then he was appointed as the second in command, the Mishnah Melech. And in the story of the interpretations, many Mepharshim have a have a few very simple questions. And in this Sicha, the Rebbe takes those simple questions that Mepharshim asks and gives a very, very novel and clear and simple way of understanding this whole story. So the first question that the Mepharshim have is, what was so brilliant about Yosef's interpretation? I mean, if you're an interpreter of dreams, which I'm not, um, wouldn't that be the first thing you think about? Seven good cows, healthy cows, seven weak cows, seven, bun- seven good stocks, seven bad stocks. I mean, why are stocks good? Why are stocks bad? It's a year of plenty, a year of famine. Why are cows hungry? Because they have no food to eat. Why are cows full and good and healthy looking? Because there's a lot to eat. Seven represents seven years. Um, seven cows, seven years, seven seven different um, growths of stocks of wheat. Each year you have a new crop. So, I mean, it's, you know, in the, in the book of interpretation of dreams, wouldn't this be the most simple? They're coming out of the Nile. Nile's the irrigation. I mean, it's all about, you know, the idea of having food. So why is it that the interpreters of Pare couldn't come up with seemingly something so simple? And why was Yeshua so brilliant for offering, seemingly, a very simple explanation? Number two, we find that as soon as Yeshua interpreted the dreams, the seven cows represent seven years of plenty, the seven weak cows represent seven years of famine, right away Yeshua continues and adds and says, and therefore, Pari, this is what you should do, and store within the seven years of plenty for the seven years of famine. Who asked Yeshua, where is it his business? Who asked him for advice? What's he mixing into the, to the king thing, to the king's um, business? And number three, we find some very interesting that when Pari thanks Yosef, um, what does he say? Vayitav hadavar, that he was most pleased about the last part that Yosef gave him. Why doesn't it say Vayitav hapistrain? Pari was all distressed that nobody but Tipayim Ruchai, he was all distressed that nobody was able to interpret the dream. Shouldn't he be so thankful? Vayitav hapistrain, the pistrain, the interpretation was so beautiful. Why does he thank Yosef hadavar for this advice that he gave him? So, and what's even more wondrous is that these are three questions, these simple questions. Why did we need Yosef to interpret the dream in this way? Couldn't the Khartoumim have thought of this? Number two, why is Yosef giving advice, unsolicited advice? And number three, why does Pari thank him for, un, for the advice is something that Rashi doesn't even address. And we know that Rashi addresses every question unless there's another Rashi which unlocks the mystery. And the Rebbe points us to another Rashi which does just that. And the Rashi, as it says, And Rashi explains what this means is, not that there was no interpreters or Pari, there were many interpreters, but none of them were good enough. The words that they were telling him weren't entering into his ears. But then Rashi continues and says, what were they telling him? They were telling him that Sheva Banas Atumailid, the Sheva Banas Atakaiver, that you're going to have seven children, seven daughters are going to be born, and seven daughters are going to die 
are going to die. And that's what the interpreters were explaining about the seven cows, the weak cows, and the healthy cows. That's what they were explaining to him. So number one is Rashi in this Rashi, wants to explain what does it mean for ink paisers on Lepare? You could think that there were no interpreters. Rashi says, no, no, there were interpreters, but Lepare, they weren't good enough for Pare. So why does Rashi then give an example of what they were saying? How is that necessary in Pshutu Mikra? Number two is the mucker of Rashi is in the Medrash. And the Medrash actually says that the interpreters were actually saying two interpretations for two dreams. They were saying, Sheva Banes Sheva Atomel, the seven daughters you will have, and seven daughters you will bury, is interpretation of one dream. And the second dream is that you're going to conquer seven kingdoms, and you're also going to have seven rebellions. So, if Rashi's source is the Medrash, why is Rashi changing the Medrash? And for whatever reason, he decides to give an example of what they were saying that Pari wasn't accepting. Why doesn't Rashi give both examples of the Medrash and only bring this one? And this, the Rebbe says, is the key to unlocking the mystery of all of our questions. What was so brilliant about Yosef? And why he gave advice? And number three, why... Um, and number three why Pari thanked him for the last part, most importantly. The explanation is as follows. This idea that seven cows, healthy cows, and seven weak cows represent seven years of famine and seven years of plenty was very well understood by the Khartoum, and that was their first thought. That's what it was talking about. There's going to be seven years of hunger, and there's going to be seven years of, of plenty, and seven years of famine. But then there was one crucial detail of Pari's dream that made no sense to them. And that is that it says that Fatamaidna that the weak cows were standing with the good cows. And the question they couldn't understand was, how can you have both in the same time? If it's all about hunger, if it's all about a hunger and a years of plenty, they don't happen at the same time. They happen at different times. First, you have seven years of hunger, seven years of plenty, and then you have seven years of hunger, or the other way around, whichever way it would be. So in this dream, the seven good cows came first. So you'd have seven years of plenty, and then seven years of hunger. And that made sense to them. But how do you have both of them together? And that's where they were confused, and that's what they couldn't understand, how the two things can be together. And that's why they said, you know what it was? It's seven daughters, probably had many wives, many wives, many pilagshim, and therefore he's able to have many children at the same time. So, seven daughters being born, and seven daughters, um, and seven daughters, um, and seven daughters being buried at the same time, Pari had many children. So, it can happen, both of them can happen at the same time, that's why, and that's why they came up with this. That means they rejected that it was seven years of hunger and seven years of plenty, because how do those two happen at the same, how do they coexist together? On the other hand, seven children being born, and seven children dying, that can happen at the same time. Different wives. Different wives having different children. And other already existing children dying. So those can happen, that can happen at the same time. And that's why they went, they rejected the simple explanation and went to kind of one that was less simple. Now Rashi only brings this one because the other one is not Pshutish Mikra. The other one, no king goes and conquers and goes attacks seven kingdoms at once and has seven rebellions happening at the same time. So that's why Rashi doesn't bring that one. Because the key that Rashi wants to tell you, why were the Khartoumim, why were they so confused, is because of this. They had to find something that could go coexist at the same time. So that's why we ask the question, why does Rashi add this example? Because Rashi wants to ex explain to you where they were having trouble. Where were the interpreters of Pare? having trouble interpreting this dream. And their trouble was, how can we find something that can happen at the same time? And therefore they rejected 
the interpretation of seven years of plenty and seven years of, of hunger. And that was the key that Yosef was able to unlock. Yosef, on the other hand, came and said, you know why they're both together? Because part of the dream's interpretation is what you, Pare, should do. Which means to say that while you're having seven years of plenty, you should already be preparing for the seven years of hunger. So meaning they're both happening at the same time. That you're, even when you have plenty of food to eat, you're thinking and feeling and actually doing something for the years of hunger. And likewise, in the reverse, in the years of hunger, you have all those storage houses of plenty. So you actually have both coexisting at the same time. And that's why, and that was the brilliance of Yosef. He was able to unlock this contradiction. How can you have both at the same time happening at the same time, which the interpreters couldn't unlock, and therefore they had to go to this more further than Pshutish Mikra, further and not so apparent explanation of seven daughters you're going you're gonna to have and seven daughters you're going to bury. This also right away explains to us why Yosef was giving advice. It wasn't advice that he was giving. This is, was part of the interpretation of the dream. This is what the dream was telling Parai. These two are going to happen at the same time, meaning you should prepare during the seven years of plenty for the seven years of hunger. And likewise, then you're going to have also in the years of, of hunger, you'll also have the plenty, because you'll have all those storehouses, storehouses prepared. We can also understand why by Yitav Hadavar, the last piece, that was the one that was good for Pare, because that unlocked how the simple meaning of the dream could be true, which was eluding the interpreters. They couldn't unlock that piece. And that's why by Yitav Hadavar, it wasn't the dream itself, because that wasn't brilliant of Yosef. The interpreters thought of that first as well. The brilliance of Yosef was that he was able to carry it through throughout the entire dream, that not only are there going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of hunger, but there's actually a coexisting of both eras together by preparing for the hunger during the years of plenty. And in this way, we answer all our questions. The brilliance of Yosef was unlocking how they can exist together. The... Why does Yosef give advice? That's part of the dream. And number three, why does Pari thank him for that part? Because that was the part that he unlocked, most importantly. And here we have a very simple and beautiful explanation to one of the um, problems that many Mepharshim have on, on this story of Pari and Yosef. Now, the Rebbe then goes on to explain the Pnimius and Yanim. And the Rebbe explains that it says, "B'shuv Hashem, Hashem That when we return to Tzion, that means in the time of Geula, we will see Hayinu Kechalmim. That Golas is a dream, and this dream of Pare is really the beginning of Golas, and subsequently after Golas, Golas Mitzrayim, because once Yosef interpreted the dream, once Yosef interpreted interpreted the dream. Then Yosef was appointed as the Mishnah of Melech, which caused Yaakov and his children to come, and that eventually led to Golos Mitzrayim, and obviously, and then Geulas Mitzrayim. And, and therefore, this dream of Parai holds within it meaning or deeper insights into the whole idea of Golos and the whole idea of Geula. And in short, what the Rebbe explains is the following that Golos is like a dream. Because just like Pari's dream, 
what did we what was the key part that was confusing all the Khartoumim was the contradiction how do you have the seven good cows and the seven bad cows at the same time and similarly in Golis we have contradictions we have a Yid they get involved in davening and they're fully involved serving Hashem the next minute they turn around from davening they're going into business and they're lost and they're so sunk into their business worried about their business I mean this Yid was so connected to Hashem shouldn't this Yid have so much shouldn't this Yid, yid be living on a level of bitachin and namuna and not worry about mundane matters but now the yid, we find this reality um, existing in Gaulus that there's there's contradictions on one hand so connected to Ilikos and on the other hand so seemingly so disconnected now the simple explanation of why this happens Gaulus is like a dream in a dream the neshama is not really illuminated in a dream people you know imagine different things that can happen that are impossible because you know their seichel their brain is not really working so well so they kind of have imagination working while you're dreaming and similarly in a spiritual level during gallus you're in a state of imagination and therefore um and therefore you could be you can be living in two different realities at the same time but on a deeper level the time of Gullus really taps into a higher source than the time of Geula. The time of Gullus, and Chassidus and Kabbalah explains, that it comes from the level of Igulim, which is a circle. There's no, there's no, there's no clear divisions. That means in a time when, when your seichel is apparent, you can't be in two places at the same time because it's impossible. Your brain doesn't let you do that. But in Gullus, we're kind of, uh, we're kind of, we can, we can tap into a higher source, which is the, which is the level of Igulim, the level of circles, and therefore you can be living a life of contradiction. But who comes to interpret that? Yosef comes to interpret Gullus. So Gullus, when we live in Gullus, we see we see a world of contradictions. But then Yosef, who his source is from this from the world of Igulim, he comes and interprets the dream, and he says that the reality, the reason we live in a, in a we're living in a space of contradictions, is not because of the lowness, but it's actually because we're tapping into a very, very high level. And what we need to do is uncover that. We need to interpret the dream. And we need to show that this world that we live in is really a world that's full of godliness, full of getlachai, full of elikos. And that's what Yosef does. Yosef uncovers the contradiction of the dream. And he's paiser, he interprets it and explains how it all fits in, how it all fits into one reality of elikos. And that's the idea of Gullah. So Gullah is the life of contradictions. And what Yosef does is, Yosef gives us the power to interpret the dream and to show how, how all these contradictions that we live in are really because we tap into a very, very high source. And that obviously will be something that we will merit to see in the times of Mashiach where it says, where Hashem won't be hidden anymore. May we be zaycha speedily to that time in our days. Afrelech and Chanukah. And have a great rest of your day.